Hello, and thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In, a podcast that is trapped inside, going slowly mad, and we can't escape. Please send help. Hello? Hello? Kayla? Oh, yeah. Hi. Is is this thing on? (laughs) (laughs) Is this the introduction? Yes. Joining me uh, is my, well, a being that claims to be my co-host, Kayla St. Ange, but as we are recording separately for the first time and video is not available, I have no way of confirming that this is indeed my co-host. So Yeah, uh, this is actually, I am a doppelganger of Kayla, but for all intents and purposes, we're the same person, so it'll be fine. Kayla, this would be a great setup if we were discussing like an invasion of the body snatchers, which I've been wanting to rewatch, but I, I, I didn't watch that, so it's it's just an introduction. Uh, it kind of feels like we're living in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, not going to lie. Th- I mean, this would be the gr- the best time for the Body Snatchers to come because we're all living separately. There's no one to watch over each other to make sure, like, you know, we don't fall asleep close to a pod. So, I mean, the dangers are numerous. That's true. So, yeah. So, as you guys uh, probably are aware, the entire world is insane right now. I hope that you're all having a great time and keeping occupied indoors, distant from each other. Um, This is the first time literally ever that Tyler and I have recorded not in the same place since we started the podcast. So it's really strange. So uh, if there's any audio issues, it's entirely Tyler's fault. (laughs) Just kidding. Even though for the first time ever, I'm not in charge of the audio. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually all on me, which is terrifying. Um, but yeah, so we had a couple of things planned uh, for this month's episode, and then everything was crazy, and the whole world is now on shutdown or whatever. So we figured we would just provide a, a brief moment of respite, some recently watched stuff, some recommendations, uh, all of that good stuff. Tyler, how are you holding up in a solo quarantine? I'm doing pretty well. Um, I am, I'm very fortunate in, you know, just the job circumstances and everything. And, and also just, I, I've inherited a weird brain from my father where I get a lot of energy from being social, but also I will gladly just like fuck off for several days and just be fine. So uh, I'm very well prepared for this. Not in having like actual food and stuff stored, but just like mentally surviving. Yeah. um, I like to run errands for fun. So I am dying. I also, um, great news, you guys. Um, As a lot of you know, I have really not enjoyed my job for the past year or so. And I've been working two jobs and it's made it really hard to schedule things and really hard to, I don't know, have free time and do free time. So don't worry. I put in my two weeks at my job where I can work from home to work at a fun, uh, interesting grocery store just in time for a global pandemic to hit and uh, be interacting with the public on a daily basis. So I'm feeling really great about that, (laughs) sarcastically and actually. like I do actually really like it. It's just like really ironic timing. (laughs) It's just it's very much story of my life. But you know, the good news about that is that we will have more time to do podcast stuff, maybe some bonus episodes finally. Yeah. Oh, Tyler, do you want to introduce our new fun uh, undertaking that we're doing podcast-wise while we're we're on the topic? So we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash altrfrpod. And we've had a few, uh, a number of, you know, the the best people in the world, um, I'm pretty sure that has been scientifically proven have been, you know, giving, throwing us a few dollars every month. And that money has added up and we are putting that back into the podcast. We've taken a hundred dollars of that, give or take, and gotten a one year subscription to the Criterion channel. And so we will be doing monthly episodes, uh, probably double features based off of what is streaming on the Criterion channel going forward. Kayla gets to go super film nerd. Well, I guess we both get to go super film nerd and we get to put the money coming from the podcast back into it in a way that like, you know, it's very, very clear. (laughs) And yeah, so and we're we've been discussing how to expand or like um, between the Criterion channel undertaking for like the main episodes and Kayla uh, 
going back down to one job per month. We've been discussing expanding the amount of um, not just like things we provide on Patreon, like tiers and such, or like rewards, but also just the amount of, of recordings we're doing every month. And I think in part because, you know, well, we don't have to get into the nit, like the, uh, the various minutia of it, but yeah, we're just talking about expanding more, but we're very Show excited behind about the this. curtain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Speaking of, by the way, while we're on the topic of patrons and Patreon, we do have one new patron since the last time we recorded. Oh, uh, yes. I'm not sure if it's okay to say people's last names or not. I know it's like on here, but just in case, uh, Nick, thank you so much for your contribution. Um, it's always really wild to me when people who I don't personally know um, are donating money and listening to the podcast. So we appreciate you as well as all of our other patrons. Um, without you guys, we would not have been able to save up the money to get the criterion. And that is just a really cool undertaking that we're excited to work on. Yes. And if you want to become a patron, you know, there's no cap. We'll keep taking people. Uh, we're like if we do end up adding rewards, people will be grandfathered in at the various tiers. Like if we add something at five dollars or one dollar, whatever, people who are already in that will get the extras. Um, yeah. So um, and also straight up shamelessly, I'm taking a pay cut to quit my job that I don't like to work at a job that I do like. So if you were on the fence at all about becoming a patron, now is maybe the time to do that to support your podcasting brethren and i hope and, and we hope this shows that we will i mean that money will directly go back into the podcast in many ways mm-hmm. in part awesome. by helping us maintain one job work lives uh i do like to only work one job not gonna lie hey <laughs> in my early 20s it was much easier to work two jobs and now um i'm old and my body hurts and i would like to go to sleep yeah, and one, well, once you get out of it, you just lose that mindset. Like I look back on my year in community college uh, from ages 18 to 19 when I would do trying to do the macro agreement, just speeding through as quickly as possible to get my generals. Uh, like four hour classes, like four hours of just who has time one for class. that? I did. <laughs> yeah, but I like even a few years later, going back to college, I was like, how, how the how the hell did I do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then That's working sad. 70 hours at a pizza. Ah, yeah. You know. Capitalism. It's Love the real capitalism. Kayla. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so what we're doing today, uh, we had like, we had a bigger plan, but for now we're just checking in with some stuff we've watched recently and a couple streaming recommendations for this time when, you know, we're trapped inside and have nothing better to do except work. I do have work. So Kayla. Would you like to start with something that you've watched recently that you would like to discuss with the people? Yeah. So um, right off the bat, I want to say that um, it's incredibly sad to me that all movie theaters are currently closed. Um, But luckily for me, the last movie that I saw in theaters before the entire world blew up was Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And I, I, I don't have enough good things to say about this movie. I I went in not knowing a lot about the plot. I, there's not really like a lot to know about it. Like everything that you know about it basically is the movie, but it is just such a, a gorgeously shot, um, incredibly quiet and intimate story about two women falling in love and breaking down class barriers and just, I, I, gosh, I, I don't know. It, it, it's just, it looks luscious, I guess. Like the coloring is so good. And interestingly, there is almost no music in the entire movie. There are, I think, two or three scenes where there is music. Otherwise, it's just these very quiet moments and movements and very much like how you imagine that the stillness and quietness of living on a remote island in the 1800s would be. And the two actresses just clearly are so comfortable with each other and with the director. And it's one of those things where the difference between when a woman and a man direct a love story about two women is so stark sometimes. And I I don't want to focus on that 
too much, but I hope that since this movie received such rapturous praise and as we're starting to see that shift towards, you know, people understanding that specific voices are important in cinema, that we see more movies like this, just this kind of like quiet, intimate romance. And just, I don't know, I, I think that I'm just so excited to have kind of like small scale stories on screen right now. And I'm hoping that this uh, interesting global shutdown isn't going to impact that too much as far as like filming and, and money and funding and all of that goes. But I, I'm not sure if it's available on streaming anywhere yet. I'm hoping that it will be soon. Um, it is available for pre-order from the Criterion Collection, which I did immediately. And then weirdly, a sweatshirt and another Blu-ray just fell into my car. And so I have the, those now. Yeah, have you emailed anyone about that yet? Because I, I'm just concerned. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't see so that weird. Happens. I'm wearing my Criterion Collection sweatshirt right now. It's actually very soft and very comfortable. So just really Criterion's bitch this month. <laughs> I was, was going to say, we pivoted from like being an advertisement for Shutter every episode to just, man, Criterion channel available now. Only $5.99 per month. We're getting serious. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I can't say enough nice things about that movie. If you are able to find a way to watch it. This is the single time in the time of global quarantine that I will advocate for. If you are able to watch it through any means, go ahead and do so. Yeah, this is a real, like this movie did not get as, uh, just didn't get the knees cut out from under it the same way Emma or never rarely sometimes always did. But it's a real bummer that, for I mean, for many reasons, but in this particular case, it's really sad that, the theatrical run was cut so short because mm -hmm. this movie seemed like it seemed successful enough that it was primed to be like we live near Ann Arbor where the Michigan theater every now and then a successful indie film like Parasite will just play for months because people just keep seeing it and it was primed to be one of those and I didn't see it I'm really sad <laughs> I'm so I on I fully had planned to go see it maybe like at least once more maybe twice more just because I felt like I was so shell shocked in the end of it like I I just I felt very like I felt wounded almost like in a way just like of how viscerally beautiful it was and how deeply affecting the story was and and the ending and everything and and I just I needed time to process my feelings about it and I would have liked to have been able to see it on the big screen again um I I will say also though that like when I did see it my theater was completely full which was really nice especially when there were so many women and for me there is like the, the power of like being in a room with other women who are having the same feelings as you is again, like a feeling that can't really be described, but is something that is so like primally important to me. And I think that when we have like this kind of global lockdown going on, that's, that's really the kind of like the community ties. And like, I, obviously I don't have to tell you guys this, but like, that's the thing that I think I'm missing the most, especially when it comes to watching movies, because so much of when we watch movies can be for better or for worse impacted by the audience that we're seeing it with. Uh, like for like cats, for instance, when we saw cats with Landon, that probably wouldn't have been fun if the audience hadn't been the way that it was. We would not have enjoyed that movie the same way watching it at home. And so I just, Really, I'm hoping that like maybe when this is all, you know, cleared up and taken care of that some of these movies can either have like a second theater run or a, a limited run at an indie theater or something like that just to kind of, you know, keep these movies that deserve it and that we want to see an Oscar conversation next year in the forefront of people's minds after like, you know, a, a truly crazy time. Yes. Um, also, I think. I mean, I, I have nothing more to add except, man, I, I remember just hearing like or like seeing multiple people say this was a movie you really need to see in theaters. It's just so cinematic and gorgeous. You just have to see it on a big screen. Mm -hmm. And days later, I'm, it felt like uh, I was told not to go to theaters anymore. <laughs> World shutdown. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, you can't. No. Yeah. Um, 
All right, Tyler, what uh, what did you see anything that you wanted to pl- like that you in theaters before this all this all started? Right, I, I hadn't totally prepped a theater thing, but I do like so one of my uh, resolutions that I've actually been kind of keeping was uh, I wanted to see more movies in theaters, and I figured a decent amount would be like one every two weeks on average, you know, uh, like so every, like every other weekend. And I'd actually been doing better than that uh, through the end of February. And I, I just like I, more often than not, I had seen at least one movie in theaters, and it was really cool. And now it's torpedo. <laughs> um, but one of the last movies, and you know, there there were hits and there were misses. I like I really liked Gretel and Hansel. I enjoyed Underwater, but then you got your Grudge remake, sequel, and Fantasy Island. But uh, the last movie, the last new movie I saw in theaters uh, was uh, The Invisible Man, which is now available unprecedented on streaming for 1999 for your viewing pleasure there's a fascinating business practice but i've realized i don't know about you kayla but i realized you know what 1999 makes sense as a price point for a movie that was supposed to be in theaters and is now on streaming it is still too high for me unless i'm like really into the movie like yeah it would it would have to be something that like for me like i i live with another person so like twenty dollars is probably generally what we would spend on a night out at the movies but it is definitely really hard for me to consider paying that much just to sit on my couch right i don't know it's i I get it and and i definitely agree that it probably is like a a good and fair price point but it would have to be a really special movie for me to want to commit to that Right. Like you hear people in New York and Los Angeles talk about like the high price of movies tickets. And like for us, it's like, that's still six to $8. Well, especially when we have like endless free coupons for our indie theater. Well, I do. Well. You don't anymore. Uh, yes, I do. My fiance still works there. So. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> also, I know the code, so I definitely do. Kayla, Kayla, shut up. No, oh my gosh. Uh, a tiny tangent about that. I mentioned that we no, had ta- a code. Kayla, tangents? Excuse you on oh, this no, podcast? No, no, no tangents. Um, but I mentioned the the code that we have to one of my coworkers at my new job. Um, and they were like, oh, yeah, I think it's been that way for a really long time because I feel like somebody else told me that you could put that word in and get free tickets there. <laughs> so that's great. Can't wait to find out we actually have a Michigan Theater employee listing. <laughs> um, please do not change the code. I need that for my life. Thanks. <laughs> I buy lots of concessions whenever I use that. So it's not but, like I'm not putting money back into the theater. Yeah, I saw The Invisible Man. I, I don't have that much prepared for it, but like it, it's like a really solid thriller. I uh, kind of just it when you look at the checklist of directed by Lee Winnell, writer of many like a number of good horror movies, director of the really smart and good uh like low budget thriller upgrade um starring elizabeth like elizabeth moss one of our best actors uh it i mean it just it it i'd say like it meets the exact whatever you'd expect from that is like which is a really solid pretty smart thrilling tight uh horror movie that has a pretty clever twist on the classic premise and it didn't totally work for me it didn't quite meet I liked it, but didn't love it. That's the simple way to put it. Uh, I can't quite put my finger on why I didn't enjoy it quite as much as Upgrade. I think there are some kind of some third act issues, um, some stuff that doesn't totally work. But we want, like, again, really skilled writer and director. Incredible performance from Elizabeth Moss. It's totally solid. It's definitely worth watching if, like I'd say, like worth going to see in theaters. And if, if the $20 price point is in your budget, or like you know you're seeing it with a bunch like a bunch of roommates, let's say, because you're social distancing. But if you mm-hmm. live with people, you can only do so much. Yeah, I'd say it's worth it. <laughs> and like it's Love just, it. I, and I think it did pretty well. Um, well, it before you know it had to go to streaming, and it's just nice to see like you know always enjoy smart horror doing well. So that was nice. We are fans of that. I mean, that's really all, all I have to add on that. Uh, like I mentioned, a couple other like I'll do a little stumping for Gretel and Hansel. I think Gretel and Hansel is pretty cool. Uh, that'll be streaming for free somewhere probably soon. You should watch that. My, you know, maybe not the full throated endorsement of a modern classic that you had, 
but that was my theater experience and i thought it was a pretty good pretty good time so what is now we're exiting the theater and confining ourselves to our homes now and so like we have we have closed the door we have locked it we are only letting movies and no people what is the first movie quarantine movie you want to talk about Okay, so like I mentioned, I am currently Criterion's um, B word. (laughs) Uh, Right before uh, social distancing started happening, there was a flash sale for 50% off of Blu-rays and DVDs. So I purchased a couple of them. And this one, I believe, I don't think it's for free on Amazon, but you can rent it on Amazon. It is a classic gothic horror movie called The Innocence that stars Deborah Kerr. And it is an adaptation of the movie slash play that the 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 Taming of the Screw, which or no, the Turning of the Screw, which I always was just going to joke that I always mess up with the Taming of the Shrew, even though those are completely different things. I literally I did the same thing when I got the Blu-ray. I showed it to Ben, and I was like, "Babe, look, it's you know the Taming of the Shrew. It's going to be so good. It's so creepy." And he was like, "Do you know what that is?" <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is definitely one of those really in my opinion revered classic black and white horror movies it has deborah kerr is a really uh well-regarded famous like mid to early hollywood actress and i honestly i don't think she's ever better than she is in this movie she gives she carries the whole movie on her back just a complete tour de force performance of that kind of classic gothic horror of is she just crazy is it really haunted all of that stuff there are a lot of really interesting um like sound design choices here with the music and the foley artistry um a lot of great creepy child performances as well and yeah, I don't know. This is definitely I. When I was watching it, I was definitely thinking of the haunting, which is the nineteen um, sixties adaptation of the haunting of Hill House, and how, in some ways, they're similar because it's about like a, a vaguely perhaps haunted house with a maybe crazy protagonist, and it's in black and white. But also in the way that like the film is so centered on a sheltered woman who is just kind of trying to do her best with her lot in life, even though she's not following like the traditional path of, you know, get married, have kids, do what you need to do. Um, She has taken a post as a governess with this unusual family where the uncle is basically asking her to take over charge of his two orphaned um, niece and nephew and saying, you know, I don't ever want to hear from you. So you just figure everything out on your own. I'll pay you quite handsomely. Just don't ever contact me. And so, of course, as soon as that mandate is in place, everything starts going weird. But I would highly recommend this if you have a chance to rent it and you're looking for a kind of good um, – What's the way to describe it? Like not feel good because that's definitely – I wouldn't necessarily describe it as feel good. But you know that that campfire feeling that you get when you're watching a scary movie or like when you're thinking back to like what you were scared of when you were a kid and how it was kind of exciting to have that little thrill of fear. It definitely has that kind of vibe to it. And um, if you are looking for a place to start with classic horror, I think it's a pretty good jumping off point where it's not too um, – austere and it's not too steeped in like old Hollywood isms. I will give a warning that I think it's about 20 minutes too long, but I also think that that's kind of an issue that a lot of like 40s and 50s Hollywood movies had. Um, And I think it's just because we also have garbage attention spans. So that's definitely part of it. But yeah, that's my my recommendation on that. Tyler, what was uh, the thing that you watched most recently? So I I have two like ongoing uh just like watch watch list resolutions and i'm going to start with uh one that's been going on for a while um obviously big fan of horror movies here of all shapes sizes and subgenres. uh and so i and like i i'm trying to i've you know fill in the cracks or like whether those be the glaringly obvious ones that i've missed or uh just like influential class like influential cult classics things like that and so i have this letterbox list called frights unseen which is basically just a mix of all sorts of movies and some will be very obvious and it's just every now and then uh i will add like five to ten more and whenever i watch at least five i remove those and you know update it accordingly and 
I, I find it is very helpful for watching a lot of movies. I would not think to watch otherwise uh, because they're not available streaming because I like without doing some research into like, you know, horror movies I might want to see I wouldn't have come upon those at all. And so I, I, re- I am about to update it again because I just knocked out, uh, I think a fifth movie and, you know, sometimes it takes a while, but the, I'm going to talk about the last one I watched just yesterday, which is George Romero's 1972 film season of the witch. And this, and like a couple other movies I've watched recently and maybe like, you know, partially listening to blank check, especially the Jonathan Demi series recently, which of course like cited, the podcast we cite every time um <laughs> like one of the three but I, I just have been finding it kind of fascinating how we you know we know who our great directors are or our really good directors are and we know what their biggest works are but they have like these for the most part they have these entire bodies of work that like these larger bodies of work and we only pick out like a few certain points only a few get anointed as classics and there are these other movies sometimes like really and really good movies that just get forgotten or lost to time. Um, unless you like, you know, do an undertaking like this or uh, like watching a director's entire filmography or what have you. And season of the witch, I would not say is like, you know, a lost Romero classic or anything, but it was, it was, it's, I don't know. There's just something about watching like dot, like filling in those cracks in a director's filmography that just, it's i mean it's just fascinating it's just like these this perspective you haven't seen because you've seen like the the romero films that everyone knows and you're familiar with those but then i don't know i'll get i'll get into the movie though uh so the movie season of the witch it had a bit of production hell but uh the plot is uh it's about this housewife Joan who has like a husband who like you know a work obsessed husband who's barely there her daughter's 19 and growing distant you know like a 19 year old child would and she's just feeling unsatisfied in her middle class suburban life um and she witchcraft is introduced to her at some point and she is scared of it but find like also like a tantalizing appeal to it and the movie is about her like more and more fall like uh not falling prey to it uh turning to it for purpose for solace for direction um and like uh i I think it's not like it's not a great movie but i i really enjoy it and i think it's interesting seeing like this so this was made right after let me check so this is a very early romero film um it was made it was released in 19 72 73 uh after night of the living dead before the crazies before martin before dawn of the dead uh and it's pretty cheap and you could see that but i think that kind of adds to the appeal in many ways and like his other films and you know anytime someone says something about how politics shouldn't be in horror like romero is the obvious answer because romero is not subtle and this movie is not subtle either it is about it is he called it his feminist movie it's about like a woman unsatisfied in life and finding that though like you know that the way that patriarchal american society is set up is like it doesn't it's leaving her behind like suddenly she's older now she has had her child she is no longer like the young beauty she once was and suddenly no one cares about her needs no one finds value like value in her that she can tell and uh so she takes like starts to take it for herself and it is a little, so the movie's a little shaggy, but uh, I, it's also, man, sometimes you watch old movies and the way like that they're structured, that they're paced, like, it's like nobody would do that these days because we have like our established norms now in many ways. And at, like most movies, either they are specifically hewing to those norms or like uh, subverting those norms. But even by subverting the norms, those norms kind of guide where they go. This movie starts with like an eight minute dream sec- sequence that telegraphs the fact that she's like feels n- leashed by her husband and by society and like that there might be this pagan thing that appeals to her there are dream sequences throughout the movie that are like just claustrophobic and really effective um it's 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 just this really fascinating artifact um and 
and I mean, it has something else I really enjoy, which is like ambiguity. Um, I like won't get into the ending, but there is a lot of ambiguity about like motivations in what happens. There's a uh, we don't know if the witchcraft actually works. We see her performing, you know, like doing certain witchcraft rituals. Uh, there's a uh, a montage, a, a witchcraft 101 montage set to uh, Donovan's season of the witch, which is really fun. We see the things she wants to happen happen, but we don't know that it's co- whether it's coincidence or whether whether it's actually witchcraft, which um, I think it's really effective in that, like whether you believe it's witchcraft and she's actually like, you know, it's like the witch where she's actually finding independence and buying into the like this uh, taboo thing because it's the only thing that will give her the agency she wants in the society or whether you believe it's not real and she is just finally getting what she wants by taking the initiative and actually trying for it. Uh, it works kind of both ways. Um, and it's, it's streaming on shutter. It is in their shutter essentials list. And yeah, I, I think it's, it's totally worth watching. Um, even if like the feminist, the feminist themes parts are very blunt. Uh, there's a lot about like uh, belief and agency and stuff that I think is pretty cool. Man, I've been wanting to watch that movie forever. So I love when there's just like when it lines up like that, where it's something that I have definitely been, you know, thinking about watching or considering it. And you just come in and you're like, it's perfect for you. Cause like all of that sounds great to me. <laughs> Right. And uh, I do want to get into the production history just a little bit because it is. um, So this was very early in Romero's career. So like whatever power he had eventually, like he did not have it here. The studio did not like it. And so they like cut a bunch of stuff out, titled it Hungry Wives and apparently marketed it as a a sophomore pornography. (laughs) Um, and so like that is part of the reason like this is lost to time is like it's not like the like the class the great classic that like one of the dead movie of one of the dead movies or even martin and also the studios <laughs> really cut it out yeah can i can i expound on that just for a second I, I obviously i don't know as much about the specific production history of this movie but i do think it's important to note that like when you're watching a movie from the 60s and 70s and the feminism aspect of it is very blunt or like, you know, on the head or whatever, it's important to remember that that historically that would have been revolutionary. Like the the second wave of feminism was really just kind of taking off during that time period and starting to be taken seriously. And the fact that there was like a male director willing to, you know, base an entire film on that and take it seriously and care about it was at the time like this, you know, a big a big deal. And that's the kind of like allyship that, you know, we have historically praised and you know relied upon to kind of get the message to the mainstream and so it's kind of like when you're watching a really old movie like a noir film or something for the first time and all of the camera tricks or whatever seem like something that you've seen a million times but the context of remembering that it is in fact the the film that created that trick or in this case you know a film that espoused a belief that was you know considered radical and very not mainstream is you know it's just a good thing to keep in mind right and again this has been a theme of me recently but like you don't necessarily like subtlety has its value but also a lack of subtlety can have its value this is true Uh, but yeah it's 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 a pretty interesting artifact and like if you like romero at all especially the fact that he is like like was a like you know a very like a very political filmmaker and like a very, or like at the, to not use like that specific word, uh, like a director who believed very strongly in putting like import, like themes he believed, who believed in putting the themes he strongly believed in into his movies in very overt ways and building it upon those themes and, um, and finding a story in there. Uh, A woke King, if you will. (laughs) watch Uh, next week it's gonna be like turns out george romero murdered babies (laughs) don't say that yeah i'm gonna knock on that's uh that's (laughs) that's season of the witch also known as hungry wives uh also known in development as jack's wife it's it's pretty cool those titles are amazing (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I'm going to kind of roll my last two uh, together a little bit just because I don't have like a, a particular lot to say about either of them, but I, I watched them and they were interesting. Um, so uh, I recently rewatched the movie Her starring Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. And it was the first time that I had seen it since I saw it in theaters when it came out. And when this movie came out, it it was at a time in my life where I was very much used to communicating online all the time. And so it was very poignant to me. And I was pleasantly surprised to find that despite Joaquin Phoenix being kind of a weirdo and, you know, just kind of knowing what I know about like Spike Jones and his frequent collaborators, that this is a movie that holds up. It's still very poignant. Um, Scarlett Johansson as interestingly problematic as she is gives a really great vocal performance in this and I I ended up I, I dug out a piece of writing that I had done like in the car on the way home from seeing it for the first time about like my initial impression of it and how I felt about it and it was just really good to kind of like I, I don't I've never done like a lot of film reviews or like proper written uh, stuff about film outside of like my letterboxed occasionally. And it was just good to remember kind of like the feeling of, you know, getting those feelings out and kind of re-editing them a little bit for the, you know, the age that I am now and everything. But if you haven't rewatched that movie recently, I, I recommend it. I think also, I mean, Amy Adams is in it as just like this ray of light as she is in pretty much everything that she's in. And there there are definitely some parts that are a little cringy, but when I think about it in conversation with, you know, Sofia Coppola and the, the dissolution of their relationship in real life and how it is, you know, a companion piece with Lost in Translation, I think that that added dimension of it being real in a way kind of kind of helps with some of that. And as again, my series of problematic girlfriends, Sofia Coppola and Rooney Mara, both in, in, involved in this in some way. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it recently, I definitely recommend that. Um, the other movie that I watched recently, I was going through the Criterion channel and I, I spent, first of all, the first day that we had this, I spent a, like a, a furiously long time composing a watch list for me, for us, like obviously for communal use. I have been meaning to watch uh, films by Jane Campion for a really long time. She's been on my list of like, you know, she's the feminist director has just been like on my list of people that I need to do more research on. And, um, I was trying to get Ben more involved in the, the classic movie scene. And this isn't really classic. It's from the nineties, but so I gave him a, a choice of like a couple and I was like, okay, which one of these sounds good to you? And, uh, one thing that I like about watching movies with Ben is that he will, he can just pick something really quickly, whereas I'll spend like an hour scrolling through 15 different streaming services to make sure that I've selected the right movie to spend time on. And even when selecting from like a list of movies that I picked from, it probably wouldn't have been the one that I picked to watch first. And so it's called Holy Smoke. It stars Harvey Keitel and Kate Winslet. And Harvey Keitel is a cult deprogrammer who's trying to help Kate Winslet uh, deprogram from being brainwashed by an Indian guru. Her family has hired him. And so they basically spend three days in the desert together. And it is a bizarre movie. I, I, I hate to use the phrase uh, tonally dissonant, but it... It is. It absolutely is. I, I'm not sure if it's meant to be a comedy or a drama or like a philosophical piece. Um, I think that it works best when it's just Harvey Keitel and Kate Winslet in the desert. There are a lot of these like slapsticky scenes with her family that I think kind of take away a little bit from the message of what she's trying to say. And so uh, to me, the thesis of this film was very much like Harvey Keitel is trying to play this older man who is, you know, there to save her and deprogram her from this cult and of course, you know, be uh, the Don Juan who seduces her because, you know, he's just that great and he's saving her life and whatnot. But at the same time that he's trying to deprogram her, she's kind of, you know, calling him on his shit. And in like that typical 90s, like, uh, I guess, 2.5 wave feminism, kind of trying to drag him into the modern age of like, your macho 70s guy thing isn't cool. Like, you're old. You're not hot. Like, you're not good at sex. You think that you are. And it's just this really interesting dynamic between the two of them. And I think that 
it's definitely worth a watch, but know going in that there's going to be some very bizarre pieces of it. Um, I'm definitely more inter- like super interested to hop into Jane Campion's other more, I guess, acclaimed films like The Piano, which stars hot Harvey Keitel, <laughs> according to my research. So yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Tyler, what's some of the other stuff that you've watched recently? Well, so my other uh, quarantine resolution uh, is I have, so I have a shelf of movie. So I, I have all these movies and they've come from all different places. And it's basically like movies I have specifically bought because I love those movies and leftovers from when we worked at a video store several years ago, which is a really leads to a really random selection. But I have a shelf that is just all the movies that I own but have not watched. And I have like gone and I still I've I've gone through the shelves and given stuff to Goodwill in the past, but like I've held on to these for whatever reason. And I know like I saved two hours of commuting to work every workday. Uh so like I just have more time available to me in that sense. And I've decided, you know what? I'm gonna watch one of these every day. And I've done it for seven consecutive days now, and it's going pretty well. Um, but again, odd selection because of like the aforementioned reasons. So like I'll watch, I have movies from gr- like great directors, like uh, adaptation from Spike Jones and Car- Charlie Kaufman, uh, multiple Steven Soderbergh movies, but also like Europa Report, a indie space movie or like a couple like you know random horror slasher movies and i'm trying not to just burn through the horror movies first because that's easy i've like i have magnolia on that shelf i gotta finally watch magnolia like i have these (laughs) the good old 10 for 10 sale (laughs) yes exactly um and like so it's like this weird mix and i'm like tyler like do not just watch like shrooms that we got for free in salem horror fest (laughs) before you watch magnolia (laughs) like uh, Please, so at- yeah my official ltr if i recommendation is definitely do not watch the whatever the shrooms is before you watch magnolia <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to have that on the record um so like uh so the movies i've done so far uh adaptation the informant uh jeff nichols shotgun stories Europa reports Scars of Dracula. Uh, but those Whoa, what was that last one? <laughs> Scars of Dracula. It's a Christopher Sorry. Lee. It's like the fifth of the seven Christopher Lee vampire movies. Right. Uh, so and it's like besides the two men- aforementioned things, I, when we went to Salem Horror Fest, I went to trivia. And not a lot of people went to trivia, but it was still fun. But it meant that this big stack of all these Scream Factory Blu-rays got divided up between like four people. And so I got a bunch of movie, like just random movies in there. And like, so they're nice Scream Factory Blu-rays, but like I've never heard of them. Or like, and so like there's some of those in the mix as well. Um, I got to say, even with this initiative, I don't know that I can bring myself to watch Green Inferno. But it's also like a really nice Scream Factory Blu-ray. So I'm like, I don't, do I want to just get rid of this? I'm not going to watch it. Oh, Eli Roth. You, how do you taunt me Ugh. still? <laughs> You should probably just get rid of that one. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna watch it. Uh, but so the movie I'm gonna talk about is actually from one of those, you know, uh, family video ten for ten sales, and kind of it's not like, and it's uh, Hump Day by directed by Lynn Shelton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, Kayla, you you've probably seen this uh, this cover. It is either pink or blue, and it's like just in their underwear. Uh, Joshua Leonard and Mark Duplass just looking at each other, like, mm, "What's up with this guy?" So yes. the movie, what's that? <laughs> I have seen that cover. Yes, yes. And what I find really funny about it is Joshua Leonard has like a uh, like uh, five o'clock shadow and a mustache. He has just a full beard in the movie. So the. <laughs> The post the the cover of the movie was clearly just shot at a completely different time because he just looks entirely different. It's it's funny. So this movie it's from like the Mumblecore period and it was when Lynn Shelton was. I you know Lynn Shelton had sort of trust come out last year, so she's still making movies, uh, but she directs a lot of TV right now. As do you know many indie, especially a woman directors who have a hard time getting their movies made, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so the the premise of this movie. Uh, is so there are these two old friends ben and andrew ben is straight laced he's got like a he he's married he's trying to have a child just total normie and his friend andrew who he hasn't seen in 10 years total wild trial drops in in the middle of the night and you know it starts off with a very 
familiar in some like in many ways uh normie dude is kind of seduced by the wild child life and the wife is not is justifiably nonplussed with it because suddenly her husband is irresponsible schmuck so these guys like but so they go and hang out with a bunch of andrew's friends they get plastered and they talk about there's a porn festival happening and they talk about they should submit a movie and they decide in their intoxicated state that the best thing the best form of art they could submit would be the two of them straight dudes making a porn together where they just fuck each other oh my god that's the premise of the movie so it sounds <laughs> I didn't, like i didn't know where they, you they, were going yep <laughs> yeah but the, that is the, like when they're drunk say that that's the high art is two straight guys having sex with each other wow blow people's minds so they sober up and they're like no no i'm Listen, I understand if you want to back out, but I'm still in it. Oh, no, 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 no. I still want to do it. But, you know, your wife, obviously, like, yeah, yeah you're not You're going to cave or whatever. So, and, and, uh, and, you know, it's the setup for like any kind of like, I don't know, your sex tape or whatever, like bad studio comedy. But it, it is not just, it's not like an I, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, where it's just like, you know, kind of having like, jokes that are kind of homophobic like it, it's not that it is not like what you might expect from a studio version of that premise um and like it's these two dudes just kind of like reckoning with themselves and their middle age and who they are who they wish they could have been and like it's about like male friendship and male intos intimacy and finding ways to express that um the what like you know the wife is she's not just the nag she's understandably uh taken aback by these developments but she has her own arc and like she is a real person and it's just a very like for such a premise <laughs> whatever <laughs> adjective you want to use um it like i mean it's it's a good mumblecore movie it's just like a lot of conversation a lot of people like actually reckoning with their emotions of learning more about themselves and, and, and interacting with other people that they like from their past, from their present and just evolving as humans. It, it, it is. And it, and like, and I, you know, I won't spoil whether they fuck each other. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch to find that out. That good yeah, content. But it, like, it, it's just, it's just, it's just very nice and very intimate and just about like friendships and relationships and, it is like it. It is a good mumblecore movie. I'd say it is like a step above, you know, your normal like Joe Swanberg core. Honestly, the way that that was such a wild ride of a movie description, like from start to finish, I, I, I'm interested. I got, I got to see how this is. Yeah. And Joshua Leonard, it's the guy, the one actor from the Blair Witch who's kind of made it big. That guy. Okay. I knew the name sounded familiar, but I couldn't quite place it. And, well, and he's like, a, he's like that guy. He's in just so many movies, um, just playing like bit parts or bigger parts in small movies. And no, it's, it, it's really good. Like it's like the two guys just very believable, very affecting. Um, it's just nice. It's just nice. Even with it's bizarre. Well, no, bizarre is not the right word. Cause that is almost like a, fetishizing it in a way that mm -hmm. this movie does not um it's um it's good interesting premise. written and directed by lynn shelton and it made me think like you know i'd never saw laggies or sort of trust and i you know if i truly want to be a woke king wouldn't i make time for, <laughs> for uh yes for laggies i gotta is, go i gotta go that's I'm, right. yep. <laughs> I'm sure that that movie exists yes um, you, you, Kayla. It is from the Family Video Time. You'd recognize the cover. Oh, oh no, I know what it is. The commercial was on the screener. Are we gonna still bleep Family Video in this? Or nah, is that still a bit we're that we're doing? Nah, that takes so much work, you know. <laughs> all right, and, all right. I just. I mean, you talk. You talked about funny. getting free movies out of the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's um. And I'm gonna continue on that path. I have 
a number of movies like i have magnolia i mentioned i got some other stuff on there the wailing i'll finally watch that when i have three hours to spare <laughs> god that reminds me so going through criterion another thing that that ben pointed out that i i think i realized but hadn't just the entire list of movies that i had put together he was like why are all of these about like weird or repressed sex stuff and i was like this is what happens when you let men make art exclusively for decades upon decades so i hope you guys are ready for some great content of me just roasting some directors that you all love because i definitely that's another thing like i st so I, st I started watching belle de jour the other day and i very briefly was like all right i like catherine deneuve and obviously this man who directed this movie is a criminal but like maybe repulsion is good i got like 10 minutes in and i just am not interested in what literal criminal roman polanski has to say about any of that topic and i'm definitely interested in using this platform to kind of explore like how we've let men control that narrative and that version of you know storytelling for so long because there are a lot of classic movies that are about weird sex stuff like more than you would think i mean that ties in because season of the witch is about repressed sexuality it's just that it's also entirely about a woman it's just for women well so like that's the thing is like belle de jour is about a woman but it's like about a woman that only a narcissistic Spanish director like Buñuel would put together. Obviously, we've been giving recommendations throughout the whole podcast, but um, Tyler, do you just have any other things you want to toss on to uh, to recommend while we're all having this indoor fun time? Well, I have my actual recommendation. I wrote up a bunch of notes on The Outsider, but we don't have to get into that. Maybe we'll have like an actual like discussion about that if you watch it. Oh, um, yeah, we could do that. So I tried to pick... I picked up one thing from a couple streaming services and some of them are kind of like, it, it is like a weird random collection. Cause I, I'm a little bit like that's what everyone's doing. So I want to pick like either some personal favorites, the lesser known stuff. And they all ended up being horror because I am <laughs> me. And well, and when it comes, like I just spend so much time watching horror that if I watch something that I love and is a little lesser known and is not as talked about or as like promoted, it's probably a horror movie. Um, so like, this is partially like so my netflix pick uh like i mean i've talked about it a lot but i couldn't help but make it my pick anyway is green room a24 movies are streaming on netflix now which means green rooms on netflix and green room rules you should watch green room i'm really sad about anton yelchin uh green room rules imogen poots also rules like uh modern screen queen hello uh so uh <laughs> green room on netflix hulu i just hulu is like the place i go for a lot like generally like feel good stuff not like it just maybe it's because that's where i watched bob's burgers that's where i watched the good place that's where i watched just kind of like not junky horror but like easily digestible stuff so i threw little monsters on there um like not a great movie but it's just a fun little lupita niago uh it's a like it's a zombie horror comedy uh so you know me little pandemic fun <laughs> amid our pandemic non-fun and you also get uh lupita nyango singing taylor swift songs on a ukulele while saving children god it's, it's like it was made in a lab for me yeah it's, it's a delightful <laughs> little movie streaming on hulu um my prime brick was braid it is like this um this entirely female-centric sorry in like indie psychological horror movie on prime i have not watched it in a while um and it's like i do not feel prepared to describe it at all but it was just it made a big impact on me and still lingers with me about these yeah it's it, it's it's good you should give it a shot if you're feeling some like you know psychological horror uh and then shutter my pick for something just fun and just will make you feel good and will remind you about how much fun it can be to be around people and this time when we cannot be around people is one cut of the dead it's so good it's so good everyone should watch one cut of the dead those are and so those are my major streaming like streaming recommendations awesome you're so much more organized than me my list is so silly <laughs> I, I mean, um my mine is silly too like but yeah i just picked one from each service only um, four streaming services. I didn't do that. Um, my recommendations are eclectic to say the least. So 
Uh, first and foremost, I want to plug this is this will take you like 20 minutes to watch. And I just want to plug it because it's so exciting to me. So as you are probably all aware five years into this podcast that um, I love Paramore, the the band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the lead singer of that band, Haley Williams, is in the midst of putting out her first solo album. And she has worked with uh, a legendary music video director, Warren Fu, and creative collaborative partner, Lindsay Burns, to put together um, a, a narrative set of music videos for the first part of the album. There are um, three full videos and three interlude videos, and she has them all in a playlist on her YouTube. And they are so cool. Just like the the art direction is amazing. The, honestly, Haley is really good at acting um, for somebody who, you know, whose main job is, is singing. And I think that if you have 20 minutes and you want to hear some good music and also see some very like horror movie influenced videos, there are call outs that I can see kind of to like Midsummer, um, Annihilation, a couple other just, you know, like general horror tropes, like running from a monster in the woods and hiding in an abandoned house, that kind of thing. Um, again, Haley Williams plus horror movie, uh, iconography, manufactured in a lab for me. Love it. So 20 minutes of your time. I also obviously am very biased, but I think the music is great. So if you like that, let me know. I would love to discuss further. (laughs) Um, If you're looking for something that is a little bit lighter and, you know, just kind of fun and funny to keep your mind off of everything, the newest season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine is being uploaded week by week to Hulu right now. Um, I think that this new season is really good. Like absolutely. I, I, a lot of shows when they get to this season, like this, this many seasons start to burn out a little bit. And I think that moving to NBC has only made the show stronger. I think that the jokes are funnier. I think that the characters are, you know, still growing and developing, um, in a way, honestly, that I I really have only seen like a, a, a sure and gore (laughs) production go. And I just – I really love Andy Samberg and I love the work that he's doing like writing and producing on this show. And it's just like a little balm on the soul to be in like this wholesome, funny world where cops are good and crimes are solved and people have good relationships with each other. Um, so yeah, just if you need a little a little distraction, a little lightheartedness, I would go with that. <laughs> Um, if you want the complete opposite of that, The Silence of the Lambs has now been uploaded to Amazon Prime, and um, <laughs> which is annoying to me because I paid $4 to rent it like a month ago, and this always happens where I rent a movie on Amazon Prime, and then it's free the next week, and I hate them for it, and I'm sure it's on purpose. Uh, we obviously we we talk about blank check a lot. Jonathan Demi is one of those directors that I, I think that the this miniseries that they're doing right now has really improved my opinion of him. In that I didn't really have one outside of the fact that I really liked Silence of the Lambs, and it, it's been a real joy to kind of discover, you know, that other side of him. I, I think I recommended Rachel getting married on one of our our last full episode or on our on our happiness episode, and. He really just is such an an interesting filmmaker, and Silence of the Lambs for me is like the number the number one film of his. I, I absolutely love it. I think that it is just a perfect horror movie in a lot of ways. Jodie Foster is incredible. Anthony Hopkins, you know, before he fully like jumped the shark and was like, "I'm gonna do Hannibal for money every time you ask," really gives like a tour de force performance. And if you somehow have not seen this yet, I I can't recommend it highly enough. It is just a really great way to spend a couple of hours with a horror masterpiece. Um, And then finally, um, this one is not technically streaming right now, but it will be in May when all of the Studio Ghibli movies come to HBO Max. But even though it's not streaming, it is now available to purchase digitally for the first time on most platforms uh, for 20 bucks. Um, And that film is Spirited Away, which is I, uh, we've done an episode on it a long time ago, like one of the very first episodes we ever did for the podcast. And since then, my, my opinion of this film has only grown. I think it is perhaps the only fully perfect movie <laughs> ever made. And I know that's a crazy thing to say, but there, it's just so special. And in a time like we're in right now, where everything is so uncertain and scary and... um 
just it's just difficult. This is a movie about kind of, you know, encountering a situation and having to to reach inside yourself and find the strength to work through it and to help those around you even when they don't necessarily deserve it. And it's just a movie full of of pure empathy and beauty. And if you have 20 bucks laying around and you just want to have like the most wholesome cry and just really feel like everything's going to be okay, I this is the movie that you should that you should be spending that money on. Yeah, highly recommended. I happen to so I've been battling recurring strep throat, which is terrible. And I'm like, do I have tonsillitis? What's happening? Um, but I, so I was recovering from like the second bout of it, right when full like so dis, social distancing and quarantine was happening, and uh, I, I I went to went to bed kind of watching this movie, and oh god, yeah, it's just fully fully backed in everything you said. What a masterpiece. <laughs> so good. Um, before we wrap up, I do have a couple of anti-recommendations for you guys, by the way. Uh, don't watch these. So first and foremost, uh, don't watch the last 30 minutes of the season two finale of Westworld if you haven't seen the rest of season two of Westworld. Uh, that's a really specific experience that I had. And I just wanted to really firmly recommend that you, our listeners, not do that because you will be really confused and it won't be a good time for you. <laughs> uh, on top of that, uh, I made the terrible decision. I, I was can't like, believe- we have- I, I just, I like, I should let you say it, but I, I cannot believe. I know, like, I talked about a bunch of horror, and most of what I'm watching even now is horror. I find, like, comfort in horror. I cannot believe you two chose to watch this movie of all, or this TV show of all TV shows at this time. Yeah, so uh, we have this HBO membership right now, um, and I was like, you know what we haven't watched yet? That cultural phenomenon that everybody was really interested in that was so cool you know just real good old light uh chernobyl (laughs) so first of all don't watch this right now okay it feels bad it probably felt bad even in the best of times it probably felt bad like literally we could this could have come out in a time when we literally had found world peace and it would feel bad to watch it but We finished the first episode and I was just like, fuck, dude. Then we watched three more. And then I was like, so I'm going to say we should only watch this in two episode blocks at most. It's it's literally so just viscerally uncomfortable how – and just knowing that it happened in real life and that real people were in so much danger. Like every time there's just like a little nuclear ash floating around into somebody's mouth, I'm just like, stop breathing. Like, don't go near there. Don't touch that. Why aren't you wearing gloves? Like, um, yeah. So very um, timely, I guess. And and I guess in a way, what we're experiencing right now probably isn't as bad as literal Chernobyl. But, you know – it resonates and it doesn't need to. You don't need to resonate with that right now. So my anti-recommendations is to not watch Chernobyl or the last 30 minutes of Westworld season two without having seen the rest of Westworld season two. Man, I'm just appreciate you saving our listeners from that trap that anyone could fall into and in both cases could not see coming at all. (laughs) That might be a bad idea. Nope. Uh, I'm just really, you know, I make these these sacrifices to look out for you guys, and I just want to make sure that everybody's having a good time as much as possible. Yeah, that's uh. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Caleb? Sure, absolutely, one hundred percent. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. Great. Uh, do we have anything else that we want to touch on before we wrap it up? I don't know. I- Stay tuned for our uh, Chernobyl episode in two weeks. <laughs> You're right. Uh, we just, I just come to the mic and I'm like, guys, Chernobyl was bad. <laughs> and that's the whole episode. They shouldn't have let that happen. I uh, Definitively, I would like to say that the official LTRFI stance on what happened at Chernobyl is that it was bad. 
Thank you so much for listening. Um, on a serious note, I hope that everybody who's listening is is doing well. I know that this is a really challenging time. Um, it's scary. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's it's definitely the weirdest thing that I've ever lived through in my life. Um, do your part. Stay home. Go on a walk far away from people, just like around your apartment or around your block if you live in a house. Just walk in circles in your apartment for hours. Yeah. Um, do like honestly, uh, uh, you know, try not to spend too much time focused on social media. I definitely have made that mistake in the past week, and it is not helping with the anxiety that uh, lives inside. So, watch movies, read a book, play Animal Crossing. It's so good and relaxing. Um, just. Uh, take care of yourself and we are going to try and, you know, have a little bit of this, you know, these recommendations and this, uh, little escape for you guys in the coming months. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to record in person again soon, but you know, like it's the modern age, baby. We figured it out. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> um, yeah. I agree, Kayla. I agree. And if anybody and Tyler, like, uh, any comments, <laughs> uh, contribute to our Patreon, and you can tell us what you want us to talk about in the coming weeks. So, if you want recommendations or certain episodes mm-hmm. or whatever, if you feel happy to do that. Stay tuned to our social media, where we'll probably announce mm-hmm. whenever final decisions are made about what will be what additional content we'll be doing in the coming weeks and months. Um, subscribe yeah. to the Criterion Channel for the low low price. <laughs> Um, purchase the Criterion Channel women's sweatshirt for 34 US dollars. That's very soft. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you have suggestions or, you know, honestly, if you just want to shoot the shit about some movies, you can reach out to us on Twitter at LTRFI pod. If you have something long form that can't fit in 280 characters, you are absolutely free to email us at LTRFI pod at gmail.com. We do have an Instagram that we use sometimes, which is also at LTRFI pod. And you've heard the plug several times throughout the episode, but I do want to remind you that people who donate $10 a month or more to Patreon are fully responsible for selecting a film that we cover. And if you are just, you know, cooped up inside and you want to make us watch something, you are more than free to spend that money. It's at patreon.com at LTRFI pod. Yeah, you can make Kayla finish Chernobyl. Oh, God. <laughs> That's the whole... Okay, uh, clarification. It is a movie selection. There is not, at this time, a TV series selection Hold on, tier. wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm going to pull up... Uh, <laughs> Maybe that could be, like, a stretch goal. Like, if we get 10 more patrons you guys can vote on a tv series for us to cover uh well kayla you know letterbox is a movie for films and uh chernobyl is on here so i think it qualifies Mm, uh, eh, debatable (laughs) we'll uh we'll consider it but also nobody wants to watch or think about chernobyl right now so (laughs) but yeah um if you say so i guess (laughs) Great. All right. Thank you guys again. Um, As always, Criterion Channel is our new overlord. Okay.